In today's episode of the Inside the Blue Jays podcast, we're answering your questions. Ethan Diamandis and I, Mitch Bannon, tackle all your requested topics from Toronto's chances to win the division to the Yusei Kikuchi dilemma and what Toronto could do this offseason and who they could add. All that and more coming up, and thanks as always for listening. Today's episode is a very special episode because, Mitch, you had the bright idea of opening up our Inside the Blue Jays mailbag to our lovely listeners and readers who had their pressing questions about the Blue Jays season. A lot of questions about the future, too, not just this season. People are thinking ahead, um, but we got some interesting ones. Uh, There has been a bit of an uptick in news lately, and one of the biggest topics of this last homestand was that Yusei Kikuchi, when we came to the game on Wednesday, we noticed he was in the bullpen. He was hanging out with the other relievers. Um, and we found out after the game that, of course, uh, John Schneider told us, yep, Kikuchi will pitch out of the bullpen going forward. Um, I guess before we jump into the questions, we'll get your early reactions on that decision. Yeah, it, it was expectedly unexpected is probably how I would categorize it. I'd, it was seemed like inevitable. It was curious. I basically, it was, are they going to keep running out in the rotation? Is it going to go to the bullpen or is there going to be an extra in of sorts that puts him on the injury? Uh, we'll dive in, I think a little bit more into what we think he's going to bring in that role and, and maybe the future of Kikuchi. But just before we get to that and the rest of the questions, we will thank our sponsors for today's video or today's podcast. Sorry, we don't do video. Uh, Bet Online is the fastest and easiest way to wager on all your favorite sports, contests, and events. Uh, find reviews and news for every league, including Major League Baseball, NFL, NBA, NHL, combat sports, esports, and golf. Bet Online continues to be the top online resource for all your sports information from live in game betting, props, and futures. You can head over to Bet Online today or use your mobile on your mobile device or online and join today to make your first sports bet. You can use our promo code BELIEVE, that is B-L-E-A-V-5050, to receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Uh, yeah, what, what were your reactions on seeing Kikuchi in the pen? I was, you know what, I was surprised Toronto didn't at least give him one more, but I I guess after that start on Monday, the sentiment was, like, ultimately, I didn't think Kikuchi's stuff was that bad on Monday. Um, I think he gave up two or three homers. Um, I mean, that's kind of his story. Even Schneider said afterwards, like, his stuff was fine. You know, guys just hit him hard, but ultimately, you come to a point in the season where, I mean, it's kind of like a Jose Barrios too, right? Like, even if the stuff is good and guys are still hitting you, like, you're just not pitching well. So I think the bullpen's a good look for him. I think there could be some element of a mental refreshment from him heading there. Um, but the question we got from Liam, so thanks, Liam, for sending us the question, uh, looks towards next season. So I wouldn't write off Kikuchi's season this year, um, but Liam is asking us, asking us if there's any hope that Kikuchi can bounce back next season. Um, I think we'll see what we get out of him uh, out of the bullpen. I think that's the first the first step. Um, I think I mean, Noah, and Noah asked about what do we think 
he would look like in the bullpen this year. So you, you can kind of double oh. double prong those if you want. Maybe this year, maybe what do you better, think? Yeah, maybe better to start with the bullpen question as I clearly read these questions out of chronological order. <laughs> um, uh, yeah, so let's, let's talk about him in the bullpen this year. Um, I guess the understanding would be that he'd kind of be a mop-up guy or he'd be a multi-inning guy. I doubt they're just hucking him in there in the seventh, eighth inning you know, with, with runners on base. I don't think that's happening for Kikuchi's very, very first innings out of the bullpen in his entire professional career. Um, I imagine him maybe filling the Trent Thornton role. You know, you got, you're down a couple, you're up four or five. You need just a body to log a few innings. I think that's probably where we see Kikuchi start. Yeah, agreed. I think that is the role. Schneider also mentioned in passing, he said like against lefties. So maybe they see a potential advantage there, the, a couple lefties in a row. Maybe it's like lefty switch hitter lefty in the fifth inning and Mitch White is out of the game. You could go to Kikuchi then, maybe only use him for an inning. But I do think we'll probably see him in like late inning mop-up will be the first time we see him. In terms of the effectiveness or, or what he would bring out of the bullpen, I have my concerns because like his issues this year have been consistency, strike-throwing, and like showing up on time that first inning. And those are like kind of the three most important things for a reliever to be able to do. Uh, I think I went and looked his first batter of all of the games he's pitched was a 411 on base percentage and a 1000 OPS. You, you can't be doing that as a reliever. You can't go in and let up the first batter you face, let him on base 40% of the time. It's just not going to work. So we'll see if this gives him like the mental reset, the mechanical reset he needs. I think it's more likely that reset comes in the offseason and the productive outs from Kikuchi are more likely to come next year, probably back in the rotation. But uh, I would be pretty surprised if Kikuchi just turns into a dominant reliever in these next few weeks. Yeah. it's We see, I think generally when a starting pitcher struggles, you see as a move to the bullpen as something maybe that could be positive or could make them do better or could lower the stakes. I, I, I'd even argue it maybe makes... Kikuchi's outings more intense, more stressful, like you said, because he's a slow starter and there's no patience for that in the bullpen. And his problems, like Kikuchi, if you subtract some of the blow up innings, I mean, this is most pitchers, but he still looks like a solid, like a trustworthy pitcher who has the ability to fight through some of his issues and, and string together a few outs when you want a guy to the bullpen, especially a hard throwing lefty. So the way Kikuchi profiles, which is 95, 96, sharp slider. You know, maybe we'll see the splitter used a little bit more out of the bullpen. Like, that's the guy you throw in and you need, like, strike, strike, strikes, right? You need to get ahead, you know, and then the sharp slider comes in. Like, uh, not to say that he's a rollless Chapman, but if you have a hard-throwing lefty who is going to throw to the bullpen, presumably uh, jack up their velocity a little bit more. I mean, I, it, it's... It's a befuddling predicament uh, for Kikuchi to be in. I mean, maybe we'll see him throwing harder, but do we really think that tinkering with velocity and, and how he throws his pitches again as he's adjusting to the bullpen role is going to help him? I have my doubts. So I agree with you that this is more maybe not necessarily writing off his season, but kind of managing how he impacts the team, right? He hasn't impacted the team overall in a very positive manner. So put him in the bullpen for now where his impact is, you know, a little bit less, 
and then we'll look towards next season's rotation, right? Yeah, exactly. And just we can kind of talk about Kikuchi next year maybe. And we we had another question. I believe it was from Brandy. He was wondering what the rotation looks like next year. And we can kind of mold those. What is Kikuchi next year and what is the rotation next year into one? Because I think Kikuchi's probably, you're penciling him into a rotation spot again next year. Mm-hmm. I think the key for him is like, I think the Blue Jays thought they could get more from Yusei Kikuchi this year. And there was a lot of reason to believe so. Like, he does kind of have that Robbie Ray mold. He's a hard-throwing lefty with, like, some really good outings for Seattle last year. So I don't think it was unwarranted to think they could get more, but they tried a lot. Like, there was basically every, at least every two starts, there was, like, a new pretty significant tweak or change we were talking about for the entire season. I think maybe next year you you don't try to get more from you, say, Kikuchi. You take the foot off the gas a little bit. You say, hey, man, what did you do in 2021 with the Mariners? Where you were a 4.4 ERA starter with a 4.4 or a 4.6 FIP. You were like, still inconsistent, still had your bad games and your really good games. But like over the course of a season, those numbers balanced out for him. Just let him go back to being that. Uh, I know there was some first half, second half splits last year that maybe like they were trying to get him back to the first half this year. And maybe that's what the changes were. But if you can maybe stop trying to get more out of him and just kind of take the mid four ZRA, put him as your number five starter, that might be the plan moving forward. And I think that makes your entire rotation make up and finding spots for, for guys next year a lot easier. Yeah. The like talk about a first season in Toronto, right? So he's Kikuchi's coming from Japan. He stayed on the West Coast, right? He was in Seattle. That didn't work out. New country, new team, new division. And they the Jays are trying everything with him, right? You know, we're we're getting rid of the hesitation that he's pitched with his entire life. We're mixing up the breaking ball. We're trying to find a, a new arm slot. We're <laughs> we're doing PFP drills. We're like they've done everything, everything possible to make and you know what? Maybe some of this is an attachment to the price tag at which they brought him in, right? Like if Kikuchi was, I don't know, a, a waiver claim or, a, a, you know, you traded him uh, or you acquired him for for a, a low-level talent. Like if he didn't have the name and the price tag and the expectations attached to him, I feel like, first of all, Kikuchi's season would be, he would be a little bit less hard on himself, I think. I think he understands that the team relied on him heavily this season. Uh, and it didn't work out. So ultimately, I mean, we'll see because he's volatile, I think, in terms of performance and a little bit in terms of confidence and attitude. So um, we'll see what they get from him next year. But my gut tells me that he will be better for the experience, having gotten all this stuff out of the way um, and maybe having uh, tempered expectations for next season. And I do think having an entire offseason where he's like legally allowed to be in contact with the team will yeah. be super helpful. They don't have to try like a bunch of changes and a bunch of stuff in the in the season. Tinkering like there was yeah. he signed late in the year. There was a lockout. He could not be in touch with the Blue Jays staff until really he signed with the team. So I do think having an offseason where he can work with the pitching staff and the pitching coaches will be huge. Well, we'll see. But kind of where I view the rotation going into next year to answer Brandy's question is you can pencil in Gosman, Manoa, Barrios. Uh, I think those are going to be the three guys who are unquestionably in the rotation next year, even with kind of how Jose's season's gone. He's not going anywhere. He's going to be the 
the number three starter on this team next year. And then I think like I would probably have Kikuchi as the number five starter. And then number Mitch White starter? as your go ahead, sorry. Kikuchi is the number four. Well, that's where kind of where I was going. I would have Kikuchi penciled in as your five. Mitch White, kind of how you started this season with Stripling as your six, who you know you're gonna have to use for starts this year. And then I think you're going out and getting at least one more mm. pretty reliable starter. Like Pablo Lopez on the trade market would make a lot of sense for a bunch of teams, but obviously for this team too, you're probably giving up a lot. But then there's some like kind of veteran free agent types. Like if Justin Verlander's opts out, goes back on the market, we know there's interest there. That would be a huge ad. Then like a Charlie Morton, Nathan Evaldi, you get one of those, you put them in the middle of your rotation, you lessen the reliance on Barrios and Kikuchi. Uh, I think there's going to be, there there has to be at least, at the very least, you're adding like a four starter to this team. And probably if you want to raise the, the ceiling on the team, someone better than that. Yeah, I, I think Toronto is wise to pursue a, a starting pitcher. I like, yeah, Mitch White. I mean, we, we knew Mitch White was an eventual uh, successor to the Ross Stripling role. <clears throat> Excuse me. So you could probably... Again, yeah, pencil him in as immediate rotation depth. Uh, even that fifth spot. Well, I mean, like, let's say next year, ideally, Toronto's not going to trot out, you know, the same rotation. They're, they they need somebody, right? Mm-hmm. So I think the Blue Jays understand that. This season has probably taught them that. Um, So, yeah, I would expect an addition. You mentioned Nathan Eovaldi. That's a good one. Um, Obviously, do you think Verlander will opt out, though? Well, if he wins the Cy Young, I think he would. Like, at the very least, you're getting, like, the same, like, 50 mil over two-year deal instead of only having one year left. Like, I don't know if he would opt out and leave, but I think he would opt out and just, like, get paid more money to do what he's doing right now. And, I like, he could get, like, a four-year deal if he wants. Like, he could probably get the Max Scherzer deal. Like, if he were to opt out, that, like, $50 million a year, whatever Scherzer's getting. Amazing. Amazing that guys can do that so late into their career, right? Like, is Verlander almost 40 if he's not already 40? He might already be. And he pitched like six innings over the previous two seasons. And then he just comes back and is the best pitcher in baseball. It's like his season, I think, is somehow, despite being the best pitcher in the league, flying under the radar, how like truly impressive it is. And also like how close he was to doing this for the Blue Jays. Yeah. Wouldn't that have been a game changer? Could you imagine how much better Toronto would be if they had Ver- like he'd he'd I mean pairing Verlander with Manoa Gosman and like even something a little bit better out of Brios like you're easily talking about the best rotation in baseball I think yeah I, I wonder if they would have gotten both Gosman and Verlander I have my doubts mm. if that would have happened like that's a lot of money to tie up into two veteran right-handers I could see them of getting like Verlander and Kikuchi, but even as good as Gosman is, Verlander's objectively an upgrade yeah. over him. So, <laughs> yeah, and I suppose that, I mean, Verlander would have canceled out a Kikuchi signing, but and there's probably Blue Jays fans who, I mean, most people would prefer that, but um, ultimately, not true. Toronto has Kikuchi on the books for two more years. I um, wanted to ask one more thing about the future rotation. What are your thoughts on a qualifying offer to Ross Stripling and b like the chances he's on this team next year. Hmm. That's obviously a, a more pressing topic as he's pitching better. And now, you know, a bit of a savior in Toronto's rotation, depending on how he uh, keeps up his, his season. I mean, he's been consistent qualifying offer. You and I have talked about this quite a bit. 
I think ultimately I'm still leaning no. I mean, do you really want to tie up? It's what, $18.5 million, somewhere around that for Ross Stripling. I mean, yeah. I get it. Like, it, if you're if you're fully committed to him being a starting pitcher, like Ross Stripling is a starting pitcher. We are going to have games where he goes eight innings. You know, we can stretch him to 110, 115 pitches. Sure. If you genuinely believe that he's worth that amount of money, because I, 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 first of all, I think I'm operating under the assumption that he would accept a qualifying offer. I think he would. Yeah. I mean, now maybe I'd be pretty doubt. surprised if he didn't. Yeah. Yeah. So we've kind of pegged Stripling's market as something like three years, 36 million. The Kikuchi market. Like the, yeah. that's exactly the deal Kikuchi got. Mm-hmm. So and obviously the risk is like in a different area than Kikuchi, but like, I do think it is a similar like risk extent where this guy's like done it, but he hasn't like done it for a full season. Like he hasn't given you 180 innings before and he hasn't like, he's been an all-star, but even that season he trailed off near the end. And this year it's like, he's probably not going to pitch over 120 innings. Like I think I'm in the same boat where you're probably not qualifying him. If he comes back, maybe it's on like a two year, $20 million deal. But I think, Ross Stripling knows this is probably his chance to cash in and his yeah. chance to like really get paid. And someone's probably going to pay him more and more term to be a legit starter than the Jays would. Yeah. It's it's almost identical to the Steven Matz situation. Yeah. Right? And ultimately the Jays did not qualify Steven Matz and he went and got his, his four year deal with, with St. Louis. So um, I could see that playing out the exact same for Ross Stripling. Um, What's another, what's the next question we should address here? We had one that was kind of, we we can get this one out of the way. It was an interesting question from Chris about kind of like how the injury replacements work and like how those kind of roster moves work. And it was maybe more of like a, hey, how does this work question than what are your opinions? But uh, he basically asked what, I'll read the exact word for word here. I've always wondered how the process of calling up an injury replacement works. I see guys lifted from minor league games and then the next day they're with the team. I, on a simple level, I think the Jays have it pretty easy compared to most teams. Like yeah. there are AAA teams in Buffalo. Someone gets hurt. They need someone. They send someone down to drive, drive that guy up from Buffalo. Like I, I know earlier this year, I was talking about in Francis and he was like with the Jays got sent down. Someone got hurt. I don't even Before know if he, he said hello got... to the people in Buffalo. He yeah. was turning around and coming back. So yeah. I think that happens all the time. It, this is kind of a different situation, but like Ross Stripling said after his most recent rehab start, he pitched five innings for Buffalo. The sixth inning, he was like in a car on his way to Toronto. Yeah. He did not watch the end of that game. So uh, I think they're just really quickly shuffling people up. And like, if they know someone's a 50-50 chance of getting hurt, they'll have like someone on the taxi squad, Sean Anderson and Jeremy Beasley have like been around the Jays for 70 more days than they've actually like been on the roster just as an injury replacement. So it happens in a bunch of different ways, I think is the answer. Yeah, Ross Stripling is explaining, like, you just you show up in Buffalo, they hand you an old jersey, you put it on, you throw your five rehab, and you're gone. You know, you, you get into the dugout, you're running, you take your cleats off, see ya. You're back in Toronto. So, a lot of travel, and yeah, they have the taxi squad. So, like, we've seen Otto Lopez, like, taking ground balls a lot. Mm-hmm. And has he had a major league at bat this season? I don't think so. I don't think so. I think he's... Well, he might have an at-bat, but I think it's like he's never started a game despite like last year he was up for a bit. He's been up at least twice this year, and I think he's got like a couple pinch runs and a pinch hit or something yeah. like that. There you go. So he's Mr. Taxi Squad. Um, so that's that's definitely an interesting behind-the-scenes question. 
I guess we could shift towards maybe the prospects or September call-ups we think that might be able to help Toronto. Now, I correct me if I'm wrong, Mitch, rosters will move to 28 this season. Agreed. Um, yep. And 28 was the initial roster size back in April and May, but then they trimmed that down, added a pitcher limit. It's been quite a fluid season in terms of rules and roster sizes. Thank you, MLB. Um, so that's something that uh, everyone's had to manage. But luckily for Toronto, and you wrote a piece on this for SI recently, there Toronto is maybe one of the more well-equipped teams to kind of take a chance or push some of these prospects or just generally minor league players up to the major league roster to add some kind of injection of talent. It's almost like a little second trade deadline, right? There's no, there's no non or there's no waiver trade deadline anymore or non waiver trade deadline, whatever it's called. Uh, that doesn't exist anymore. They're, Toronto has to find other ways of adding talent. Mitch, who are your top guys that you think might come up for September? Yeah, I think, I don't want to be boring, but I think the most likely like scenarios, it's like one of Trent Thornton and Julian Merriweather and then like a hitter of some sorts. I think the one interesting thing, and I'm not 100% sure if this is still true, but because of the pitcher limit, I believe it will only expand by one. So the Blue Jays can't add two arms, which makes it a, a little more fun. They're not just going to bring up Merriweather and Thornton and it's not just going to be the dudes that have kind of been here and done that for the past couple of years. They'll have to add a bat. And I think the guy at the top of my list, even probably ahead of a Gabriel Moreno, the top prospect in the organization is someone like Spencer Horowitz, who I believe someone else asked a question about as well. Um, I don't know if I have it on the sheet here. Oh yeah, here we go. Christopher asked about Spencer Horowitz and like what he could bring to the major league. So I'll shout out Christopher for that question in this answer too. He's kind of like a bigger, meatier, more powerful Kevin Biggio is at least what I see the bat profile as. I've been told he's like a very, very smart, mature hitter who's pretty good at breaking down what opposing pitchers are trying to do for him. And he's in double A AA and triple A this year, absolutely mashed right-handed pitching. Like he, I think it's like a four over four, yeah, 425 on base percentage against righties a near a thousand OPS against righties. He could be like a super valuable bench bat. I do find the Yoshi Tsutsugo signing interesting. Cause like, I kind of see him as like Horowitz, like kind of the same guy. Or, so worse, Spencer. Horowitz? Yeah, exactly. I don't know if like, if you're expecting Yoshi to be your September call up, why not just call up Horowitz? Cause I think there's some definite kind of really good plate appearances, really good left-handed bat power you could get from him. Yeah, I I mean I'd rather see Horowitz than Satsugo because Yoshi's never had success really in the major leagues. Right? Like yeah. you look at the numbers, they're not good. He profiles as a good hitter, but yeah, I like the idea of Horowitz. But I think people might get a little stuck on the positional fit, right? Mm-hmm. Given that you mentioned he's a good comp to Kevin Vigio offensively, but defensively he's the exact opposite, right? Well, maybe he has a lot of positions, but he doesn't particularly play any of them well from what i understand yeah i think if you're bringing him up you're kind of committing to him being like the starting two out of every seven games at first base left field and then being a designated hitter pinch hitter for the rest of the time Uh, i think he would it'd be interesting if george springer can more consistently play center field by the time september comes around your dh spot is freed up a little bit more for 
Vlad to take some days off there for Horwitz to go in there. And I think that'll kind of be crucial to what position they call up is the the status of George Springer. Like if he's still hurt, maybe you're calling up Otto Lopez as another guy who can play everywhere and in the outfield. But if the DH spot is open, I think it makes getting at bats for Horwitz a lot easier. Mm-hmm. Another guy, I mean, again, this is this is basic, but I think Gabby Moreno comes up in September. I think he'll be there not only because Toronto's been happy to carry three catchers in the past, and George Springer is a big X factor for this call-up because um, if you can start using Kirk as a regular DH, you know, then Moreno gets more playing time at catcher. But I think, in my opinion, and this is something that's been on my mind for a while, but the fact that Danny Jansen has been nearly an automatic out for the last two months is is like you might as well play Gabby Moreno at this point. I mean, Jansen has significant power potential, sure, but i got to think he's batting under 200 the last two months. I know his OPS is under 600. Like he's he was hot, all right. At the start, he got hurt. He got really unlucky, but Jansen is prone to these hot and cold stretches. And at this point, I, I understand Jansen has a lot of value as a game caller and is with his relationships with pitchers. But I still think Moreno has a better skill set. And if we're looking at Jansen right now, I think Moreno has a better skill set offensively and defensively. So I'd like to see him up. I think he brings more speed. Um, you know, even just the contact ability, like he hit, he hit fine when he was here. He didn't hit for power. He didn't get on base as much as you'd like to see, but he didn't look overmatched. And I think he could be, um, not, um, a major addition to this team for a playoff run, but he could be a, a little bit of a spark plug off the bench. Agreed. I think, and this is wild to say about a prospect, but I think you're probably going to get more consistent at bats from Moreno than you would from Jansen. Yeah. And for a team that's had a lot of lineup inconsistency over the last couple of weeks, that could be pretty valuable for the team. It's not like Kirk's hit well recently either. Mm-hmm. So I think just injecting another catcher to push those guys, not that they're not motivated, but just to like have options. You can ride the hot hand. And if that hot hand is Moreno, like you got to start them because they're not only trying to see who's going to start in playoff games, but trying to get there at all. So yeah, uh, I think the one interesting thing is like, yeah, you got to get the playing time for him. Like he's got to play if he's here because the AAA season is a little longer than usual this year. It's going to go basically until the end of the MLB season. So there's no like, oh, the AAA season's over. He's not going to play anyways. He might as well be here. And that's very often what September call-ups are. It's not the case this year. You you got kind of got to call up guys you're, you're willing to get playing, playing time to or sacrificing that developmental time. A few other guys who are kind of on my radar – like I do think Thornton and Merriweather in the pitching department are kind of like at the top of that pecking order, but Yasser Zulueta and Hayden Younger are two guys who've kind of been like whispered around the organization for like the back half of the season as potential late season contributors who I think a lot of people are really high on. Zulueta has shoulder stuff and knee stuff going on right now. I think, and tell me if you disagree, but I think that probably takes him out of contention even if he comes back this week for a September call-up, but I do think Younger could play in into that because he's a guy who's been the once-through-the-order guy. He can bring kind of the Trent Thornton length with maybe a bit higher upside. People really like his strikeout ability. His changeup's nasty. He really sells it well. He's got a good fastball, and he's been consistent in double and triple A this year. So 
maybe why not take a shot on a guy like that over calling Trent Thornton back up? Yeah, I think younger. I mean, he's he's only 22. Like he's born in 2000. He's young, um, but I think he'll be here in September, to be honest. I, I do. I mean, unless there's this wild conspiracy that Toronto isn't genuinely trying to compete, which you know, people have brought up and I, it, I don't that know been brought up this year. Is that, is that compared or like <clears throat> some folk think perhaps that Toronto not adding at the trade deadline was an indication that maybe they're not all in on this season and that uh, they're trying to yeah. toe the line, sort of like a Red Sox giants thing where like, but see if they were doing that, why wouldn't you trade Lourdes Gurriel or Teoscar Hernandez to add a Pablo Lopez or we, that's a trade deadline talk. We're talking about September call-ups. I think, Younger should be here. I think he helps the team. I think he brings a swing and miss that Toronto's been craving all season. Um, and in terms of Jasper Zulueta, I think I think his his hopes are probably done this season. I think that it was um, already ambitious to try and think that he'd be a major league uh, contributor this year. Um, could he make the bullpen out of spring training next season? Yeah, maybe. I'd say that's even like likely. Like he could, he could do it. He has these stuff, but with a guy whose health has been just a mess in his career and it's limited him to, you know, maybe just breaking into the major leagues at 25 years old. Um, I think maybe give him a rest and uh, keep him down. Another guy quickly before we move on is um, Nate Pearson. Yeah. That you were talking about injuries and that reminded me of Nate Pearson too. It's like, he's what throwing at a hundred and something feet he's long tossing. And then, yeah. so the next step, is I think live BP or I don't he, even know. Well, if I think he would then throw bullpen. A bullpen, yeah. I don't think he's even throwing a bullpen. Um, so I mean that doesn't scream hello. I'm ready for September, but because um, he'll need some rehab outings before they're not just going to shoot him right up. Hopefully not. Um, I think he's more of like a mid-September guy. Like last year, they called up Brian Baker as the September call up, and then replaced him with someone else like a week later. I could see them like calling up. Merriweather or, or Thornton yeah. for the first couple of weeks. And then once Pearson becomes healthy, then he's maybe your September 17th call up. You're talking about Nate Pearson the last two weeks of the season. Um, yeah. I mean, you could do a whole podcast on Nate Pearson. Truly. And we I have mean, before <laughs> <laughs> we, we could, we'll go to the last question. We got um, from Keenan. Do the Blue Jays have a realistic shot at winning the division? Uh, Keenan mentions that obviously this weekend's four-game set in the Bronx holds a lot of weight. Sure does. Yeah. Sure does. You want to win the division, and it holds a lot of weight. So Toronto is 10 games back the Yankees as of this recording. That's tough. (laughs) That already, that's tough. And when you think about how Toronto's played over their last 10 games, if they were going to catch the Yankees, I think that time's already passed, to be honest. they The Yankees were on such a losing skid. Toronto had a glorious opportunity to pass them or to catch them at least, at least narrow the gap, I think is the better expectation. Toronto was losing at the same time the Yankees were. That's why this series in New York is kind of a, a heat check for both teams or a cold check maybe, right? Cold like, check, are these like teams that, comparable in terms of talent right now can do they have i mean i don't know if you watched the yankees game last night but josh so how it ended <laughs> josh donaldson that that game was that game was incredible because our oldest chapman punted the lead in the top of the 10th 
which he's prone to do sometimes. He's done that against Toronto. And when all hope was lost, uh, Big JD came up and hit a grand slam for the Yankees. And he's not been good this year for the Yankees. Um, so, I mean, they're still a good squad. I don't I don't buy as much into the Yankees are like, they're reeling, like, watch out, they could really be struggling. Like, I don't buy that very much. I still think Toronto's going to be in trouble this weekend. Like, maybe they could surprise surprise everyone. The Blue Jays had, I mean, their big September run, a lot of those games came against the Yankees. Granted, it wasn't the Yankees team we've seen this season. But to answer the initial question, it's not impossible. But with the way Toronto's been playing lately, I really don't think they have a chance of catching the Yankees. Yeah, I think they got seven games left against the Yankees. You probably got to win six of those to like even have a shot. Like you're ten games back, you go six and one against the Yankees. You're still five games back that you have to make up against everybody else. So, and like, what are the odds that this Blue Jays team just magically turns it around and is barreling through the Yankees this weekend? I think if you're the Jays, kind of like you were, you were saying, if you're splitting this four game series two two, getting on back back on track once you start going to Boston and some worst teams after this weekend, you're, you're calling that a win. Just, just don't keep losing this weekend. I think it's kind of put the brakes on and then start winning games after Fangraphs has the division odds at 3.5%. I think that's probably about right. Like maybe even lower. I'd probably say one or 2% at this point, just because of how the teams are playing. And the fact that like, yeah, let's say the Yankees keep playing badly and the Jays play really, really well. The Rays could also play really, really well and just as likely catch yep. the Yankees as the Jays could. It would be pretty funny if the Rays end up winning this division. I will say that. But uh, the one thing is, I think, and this was maybe an, an my takeaway just from looking at the odds, I think the Jays have a better chance of winning the World Series than they do have of winning this division down the stretch. So if you want to set your sights on something as a fan, I think it should be getting one of those wildcard spots and winning the World Series because wildcard teams win the World Series. It happens. It happened last year. And the wild card is even more of an open race than usual this year. So I don't think it's super important to worry about the AL East because you got a better chance of winning the World Series anyways. I, I like that. I like that take. I like the, yeah, that's Toronto's path this season. From the moment the Yankees came out red hot and like made a statement that they were owning the division, I think that's always been Toronto's goal. Like, I don't think it's super consequential which wild card spot they take. Like, if Cleveland is leading the Central and you finish third, like, that's arguably better than, I think, playing the Mariners or the Rays at, you know, at Seattle, at Tampa um, in a three-game set. So, I think Toronto's goals have always been wild card and then just see what happens. Because once you get in, anything's possible. Yeah, and they got the high up. They got Manoa. They got Cosman. Those two guys can probably go up against anybody else's one, too. And then you just got to get to the dance and like, and then, yeah, exactly. Like you said, we'll see what happens. Yeah. Um, it's going to be, it's going to be exciting. Like these, there's going to be, I'm already amped up. There's going to be more energy in my voice for the rest of these podcasts. Um, but we'll leave it at that for today. We appreciate all the questions. Um, I had a fun time doing this, so we'll definitely do one or two more mailbags before the season is done. Um, but in the meantime, enjoy the games this weekend. Toronto is in for a test, but again, another measuring stick. So next time we chat uh, might not be for a couple weeks, but um, we'll see where Toronto's at and, uh, and we'll go from there.